Shabbat shalom. All right. All right. We have a couple of announcements. We have the sign up for Sukkot. It's available on the website now, TorahToTheTribes.com. If you click on the events bar up at the top, you'll find three options, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Oregon. And Sukkot is being held September the 29th to October 8th. So you can register at one of those locations, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Oregon. So, without further ado, we are going to jump right into Romans chapter 13. Now, somebody out there in internet world sent me a book by Ted Wyland, great resource. Um, I think we actually have it on our About page on the website, so if you want to dig into that, it's about government, Romans 13. We'll be pulling from that today, so great resource, wanted to mention that. As we jump into this text... We have to understand when we're looking and talking about the government, let's go all the way back to the garden. And we remember that Yahuwah formed us, and you all know this, of course, out of the dust. And then he breathed his spirit in us, and we became a living soul. So we are a tripartmental being. Our flesh is always going to want to call us down to the dirt. It's always going to want to call us down to the dirt because that is where it came from. It's always going to gravitate to the base level. But our spirit is the only part of us that actually came from Yahuwah. The spirit is to be in charge the keeper of the house, that's supposed to then command the soul on what to do. And then the soul then commands the flesh. But when that order is messed up, we have a problem. Now, if the spirit is not regenerated, then that spiritual influence is coming from the satanic and occult world. Because you're either regenerated and you are a child of Yahuwah, or you're still in your natural realm, but you still have a spiritual part, but you're getting your spiritual influence not from the creator of the universe since the fall in the garden, but you're getting your spiritual influence from the occult, satanic realm. So we have to understand when we look and deal with government that we are also dealing with a structure that is run by fallen men. And if you and I approach government in the fleshly realm, we will never be victorious. If we approach government in our soulish realm, we will never be victorious because governments of the world are being empowered and influenced in the spiritual realm in an occult, satanic influence. Do you understand that? So when you go into that, you are entering into an occult realm that is run by men, and you can look at it in a soulish and fleshly realm. But ultimately, if you don't approach it in a spiritual realm, you will never get the victory. That is why you see so much occult architecture, 
literature, Masonic symbols in government because they fully acknowledge the tripartment beings that they are, but they know where their spiritual power comes from. How about us? When we approach government, we should also approach knowing that our ultimate power is not in the natural man. It's not in my desires, my experiences, who I am, but it is me laying down my flesh, laying down my desires, and connecting with the divine power of Yahuwah through His Spirit, because that is where I came from, and that's where you came from. The problem that we are going to discover with the patriot movement with all of these movements that you're seeing, conservative movements, whether it be constitutionalists, sovereign citizens, the patriot movement, the Tea Party, they're all approaching government in a soulish realm and their flesh is going to be taken away in irons. We have to be able to say that is not how we are to approach government. Because if we're truly, truly going to be victorious in these end times, we're going to be a people that walk in meekness. And therefore, we ascend out of the flesh, we ascend out of the soulish realm, and we will become the gray man invisible because we are empowered in the spiritual realm. Remember, Judas was a politician. He was a politician. And the reason that he betrayed Yahushua was because he was what? politically motivated by the government. He was politically motivated and he tried politically to get Yahushua over onto his side to proclaim himself as the anointed one king over Israel in a political corrupt realm. And because he acted in a soulish realm, and he was being empowered spiritually by the occult or Satan, just as Peter was when Yahushua said what? Get behind me. Because they were trying to influence him in a government political realm, and they were being influenced by a corrupt occult spirit. So before we even get into Romans 13, I have to lay that groundwork for you. For me... Because it is imperative that we understand that we have the victory. Because if I and you go charging into courtrooms, charging into legal practices in our flesh, upset in the soul, we will not find it will go well for us. We have to be as wise as serpents, as harmless as doves, and understand in these last days, it is going to be the meek that will inherit the kingdom of Yahuwah because they have got what? Discernment. And it is discernment above all things which will give you victory when it comes to Romans chapter 13. So... The first seven verses of Romans chapter 13 have become one and some of the most misused 
and abused verses by clergymen and governments alike. Governments and clergymen alike. And that is the false teaching of total submission to all government authority. How many of you have heard that? That teaching is prevalent. It's prevalent. So, first off, let's tackle that false idea of total submission to government authority. Because this has led, this has led to the loss of more Christian believers' dominion and territory in the religio-political landscape than any other false doctrine of man. There are more Christians going off into these sovereign citizen movements, these patriot movements, these Tea Party movements, and all because what? They're not being educated on the truth of Romans 13. Or the other side of it is literally people are being taught just to submit. Whatever the government says, that's what you should do. Just total submission. Because if you're not submitted to the government, you're in rebellion against God. And that's a false teaching as well. What is the balanced way is always going to be the narrow road that leads to life. So to me, this has been a real challenge on how to approach Romans 13 from a spiritual perspective because naturally I'm a fighter. Oh, you come up against me and I'll push back twice as hard. But that's the soulish realm of Matthew. That's the fleshly carnal realm. And I have been called and you have been called to transcend that, to leave that old man to get the wisdom that has been delivered to the saints because that's the equipping that we need. We don't need more guns, bullets, beans, and mayhem, do we? We need, I was going to say bacon, we don't need that either, but we need wisdom, that supernatural wisdom that comes from above. We have got to get right in our thinking. It says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 7, and we know the words so famously from Yahusha, you hypocrites, rightly, rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, this people, oh yes, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, because they do what? They teach the doctrines of men as though they're the kind of commandments that you should be following, and that is not what you're supposed to do. Follow Yahweh's commandments, not the doctrines and commandments of men. So don't fall under this false teaching that you're supposed to be in total submission to government because it's not true. Before we delve in any further, let me take us all the way back to this letter. It is a letter to the Romans, and it's addressing the ethics, I believe, of first century Roman taxation. That's really what most probably is in view within the first seven verses, because there had been a prior incident that had erupted in Rome in the 50s, and it was probably this that Paul was addressing in his letter 
to the Romans. Because remember, Romans was written between 55 and 58 of the Common Era. And in about 58, I believe, Nero was bringing in some new tax legislation. And you know, whenever there's a change in tax legislation, what does that bring out? It brings out the patriot movement. It brings out nationalists. It brings out what? Diversity. Whatever the change in the tax code is, there's going to be some rumblings within civilization of the nation, right? Always. You're either going to have the libtards going nuts or you're going to have the republicans go, even in our day, right? One or t'other, one or t'other. So we have to understand the context. Roman believers, I think, in light of this writing, they had been swayed by their fellow citizens to a kind of resistance movement to paying taxes because the Roman government was becoming increasingly predatory with their legislation. Does that ring any bells to anyone today? Are we finding the government becoming increasingly more predatory with their legislation? Are they continuing to expand legislation or are they drawing it back and lessening it? The expansion of legislation brings the expansion eventually of tyranny. So they go hand in hand. And this isn't something I'm saying. Just look at the history down the annals of history and you'll see that they go hand in hand. Because this is the thing. Magistry and tyranny, literally, the moment, the moment magistry stops being just, you go automatically into tyranny. Just the moment. The moment the magistrate sways and makes an unjust judgment, that is not neutral ground. It is tyranny because the recipient of that judgment is going to find themselves in irons and taken away and put in prison. So that is what is so dangerous about the days that we live in. From magistry to tyranny is instantaneous the moment an unjust judgment is made. And justice is only just if it is delivered through the word and the counsel of Yahuwah. Correct? Righteous judgment must be administrated righteously. So we can see, as in the times of the Romans, there was this predatory Roman government coming up with more legislation, less freedom. And it was all done in the name of What do you think it was done in the name of? Peace and freedom. You see, more legislation is always done in that you're going to be far more safer when we do this. This legislation will make you safer. It is going to bring more peace to your communities. Excuse me while I take this wand and stick it up. I mean, that's what it's like when you go through TSA. I mean, literally... I mean, I'm so tired of it. While they're checking your lip balm for explosives. Really? Really? I mean, it's because 
I need to feel safe. But this isn't so. But that's always the way it had been. But think about it. Like us, the believers, they were already on the fringe of society. And they didn't need any unnecessary controversy associated with it. And likewise, we're already on the fringe of society, aren't we? When you start speaking about your beliefs, you do not need to get caught up in a mob judgment, Exodus chapter 21. You've got to stay away from that. You don't need any more controversy, and neither do I. And I've been drugged into stuff and suffered the consequences for it because I've gone along with believers that are lovely people but have got caught up in the flesh and in the soul, in the patriot movement, the sovereign citizen movement. And I've got caught up in the crosshairs because I'm a minister and I care about people. But you know what? The government doesn't see it that way. All they see is that you're the pastor of this person. And again, you are then what? tarred and feathered along with the riotous. And that's the danger of it. So we really have to be careful, and the Romans had to be careful at the time of this letter. And that's why Paul is admonishing them. Can I get a little bit more audio, a little higher for me, please? You most probably don't need it higher, but I don't want to feel like I have to shout. In the early years of Nero, he considered abolishing indirect taxes, And I think that's the context of what we're looking at here. Various sales tax and tolls and customs. He thought about abolishing those as opposed to the direct tax that Nero had on a conquered nation. So if you were a conquered nation, oh no, he wasn't going to abolish those taxes. So therefore there was a little bit of friction going on between those of Roman citizenry and those that were of a conquered nation, like the Jews. Because Nero was thinking, well, we'll get rid of the indirect taxes, those of Roman citizenry, but those that had come down from Jerusalem that were of a conquered nation, oh no, they were going to get their taxes raised up. So now, if you've got those congregants in one assembly, do you think there's going to be some friction? Right? There's going to be, especially when it comes to the giving of the ma'aser, the tithe and the teruma, the tithe and the offerings, right? Because now you've got this divided group. You've got the Romans or the Gentiles, those of Ephraim that had scattered in, many of them Roman citizens. They're going to get, they're getting a lot of their taxes taken away. Yet those coming down from the nations, conquered nations like Judea, they're getting their taxes raised up. This is going to cause some conflict. So this is kind of the backdrop for our study of Romans 13 of the proposed change in the tax status in the early days of Nero. And really, other scholars would take the approach, and we have to look at this because I think this is very valid too, that there are some scholars, there's a valid point, that believe that really this is actually not that the Roman government is in view here, but instead, Romans 13 is talking about the submission submission of the non-Jewish, Greek and Roman believers to Jewish religious authority. And that's the government structure that's in view. So think about that for a moment. So you can either look at this, are we talking about the government of Rome and governments in general, 
Or are we talking about that the fact that those in Rome, the Romans, the Gentiles, Ephraim, are actually being forced to submit to Jewish religious government structure? And is that the conflict? I think that's a valid point too. But that's something that you can kind of look back, take a step back when you read through this, study through this, because there is some relevance to that and weight to that because we know the religious authorities in Judea, the the Talmudists or those that had a lot of the Babylonian traditions of men were trying to subject the believers of Yahushua to their authority. We can see that in the book of Acts. So I think that's a a valid point too uh, that we can't just simply dismiss in our readings of Romans chapter 13. But today, in relation to the false idea of blind obedience to government, where does the heart of this heresy lie? Where do you think it came up from? Blind obedience to government. It really took off at the beginning of the 20th century with the false construct of Judeo-Christianity, which is an oxymoron. I mean, it's like kosher pig. I mean, there's no such thing as Judeo-Christianity. No matter what um, Hagee and others would tell you, they're totally divided. One believes that Yahushua is the Messiah, and one believes that Yahushua is boiling in excrement. One teaches the honoring and respect of children, and the other one justifies pedophilia. It's in the Talmud. So there is no such thing as Judeo-Christianity. That is a false political religious construct which has been pushed forth by the Zionist movement of the 19th century. And today, government is run and funded by Zionist pedo-banksters. Our government is funded and run by Talmudic Zionist pedo-gangsters and bankers. And now, that's a bold statement. But any of you who can do your due diligence, can see that it is so. You can see that it is so. And so we have a lot that we have to push back against since Basel, Switzerland in the 19th century because we are the generation that is dealing with this great, great transgression upon the American people. The last great president that we had, (laughs) JFK. He decided that he was going to bring forth the treasury note that was going to be backed by silver because silver was even more common than gold and it would be delivered to the people and the pedo-Zionist Talmudic banksters killed him because he brought brought forth legislation that the treasury note would go forth and we would be able to be a debt-free nation. Gaddafi, Syria, all of these nations that are trying to get off the International Monetary Fund and the pedo-Zionist banksters, what happens to them? 
Same thing that happened to JFK. So this is the danger of where we live today. We live in this world. And we have got to be aware that this is Talmudic, occult, mystery Babylon. Mystery Babylon. Babylon is where? Babylon is Babylon. Babylon is in Iraq. So those of you that have got the Iraqi dinar, you're going to have some great wallpaper. Those of you that don't, well then, good. But we live in mystery Babylon, meaning that this nation that we live in is run by a government that is funded and supported from all of the Talmudic mystery religion that came out of Babylon, the whore. And that's why we see so much of this Ashkenazi, Zio, pedo banksters involved in our government because that is mystery Babylon. Of course, the Babylonian Talmud that says that it's totally fine to do those despicable behaviors. And that's why we live in the world that we do today. So Judeo-Christianity that has brought forth this false teaching in the 20th century of total submission to government is, of course, a rotting limb from the Talmudic tree of knowledge that infiltrated Christianity, and we are now calling that out, which makes us extremely unpopular extremely unpopular. And if people want to silence you, what's the best way to do it? Call you a name. Let's call you a what? An anti-Semite? Let's call you a Nazi? Let's call you anything to stop you from communicating truth. And you see that out online, when in reality, you're actually breaking through the shackles of tyranny and oppression, the very opposite of what people are trying to shout you down about. So I'm excited to delve into this because it's going to liberate people, liberate people, and I'm all about that because that's what the Word does. So we need to, over the next weeks, we're going to look into Romans 13 in depth. We're going to investigate the scriptural validity to total submission to government. We're going to investigate the scriptural validity into the patriot movement or the constitutionalist movement. We're going to find out how Yahweh has actually called us to interact with our host nation's governing powers. Because since Genesis 11, the nations have been given over to the gods of the nations. And that is why we see this occult influence over our host nation. Correct? Let's dive right into verse 1. And now you'll be able to see the context. Let every person submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from Yahuwah. And those that exist are put in place by Yahuwah. So whoever opposes the authority has resisted Yahuwah's direction. And those who have resisted will bring judgment upon themselves. You can see how people could spin that to total submission. Could you not? 
very easily. For leaders cause no fear for good behavior, but for bad. Now you're going to find out that's going to be our key verse for liberation. Now, if you do not want to fear the authority, do what is good and you will get his approval. For he is Yahweh's servant to you for your good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not carry the sword for no reason. For he is Yahweh's servant, an avenger who afflicts punishment on the evildoer. Therefore, verse 5, it is necessary to be in submission, not only because of punishment, but also because of conscience. For this reason, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are Yahuwah's servants, attending diligently to this very thing. Pay to everyone what is due them. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Tax to whom tax is due. Respect to whom respect is due. Honor to whom honor is due. Fulfilling the Torah the law through love. And there you go. This, of course, has been spun. Been spun into that Judeo-Christian interpretation of Yahweh has established the governing authorities. Therefore, it is your duty to honor and to submit to them in each and every decree and judgment that they give you at any given time. Right? Wrong. But that's the spin. That's the spin. Now, we know from the background of the Tanakh, commonly called the Old Testament, that the whole of governments in the world, they have been established by Yahweh at least in some function, right? at least in some function, because he is sovereign. Isaiah the prophet says in the 45th chapter, Thus saith Yahweh to Cyrus, his anointed, whom I have taken by the right hand to subdue nations before him and to loose the loins of kings, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. In Proverbs chapter 8, Verse 15, by me, Yahweh says, by me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who judge rightly. And then in the New Testament, in John chapter 19, verse 11, Yahushua said, you would have no authority over me except it had been given to you from above. So we understand that Yahweh is involved in the nation's governments, at least to some ability or function that he is sovereign, correct? But we have to be able to discern, and that's the key. That's the key. But none of those verses that I just read to you support blind obedience, do they? None of them support blind obedience. In fact, the Bible warns us in Hosea chapter 5, 11, Ephraim, that's you and I, is oppressed and broken in judgment because he willingly walked after the commandments of man. So you have, be, you have got to be careful what you willingly agree to 
what jurisdiction you willingly walk into. You have to be very careful what you consent to. Would you come with me? Can I have your... What you consent to then changes your jurisdiction. So you have to be very very careful what you agree to. And if you say nothing, then you've agreed to whatever they've said of you. Because we have to give a defense for what we believe, right? So if somebody calls you something that's not true, then you have to immediately stand up and renounce that. Because of otherwise, you're in agreement. You understand? We cannot be passive anymore. Not when there are FEMA camps popping up all over this host nation that you and I are in. Not when the libtards are in control and you are a parasite because you have faith in the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are in a spiritual affront to the occult spirituality of government nations. You understand that? You are an affront Hostility, open hostility, because you have faith. You have to understand that. Acts chapter 17, verse 5. And the unbelieving Jews, now there's your Talmudic root. There's your Talmudic root. See? That rotting limb. And the unbelieving Jews, having been moved with envy... Because they're envious of he that dwells in you. Why? How is it that you live the life that you live? How, what is that light within you? What gives you that hope when we try and oppress you? When we try and shackle you? What is the hope within you? Why, why is it that you're not tempted? Why won't you take the bribe? What is it within you? They hate that. It's Yahusha crucified and risen, and that is despicable to the occult realm that is spiritually empowered. Do you understand that? Have you ever met somebody that literally opened hostility to you, and you're like, whoa, what is God? Because the spirit within me is at battle with the spirit that was in you, because the spirit within you has been judged, defeated at the tree of crucifixion that testifies to that. And my light is testifying to your death. My life is a stench to your rotting carcass. See? This is powerful. And you wonder why? Like, whoa, get down. I just wanted a latte. Get down. Well, then don't go into Starbucks with that bloody Easter on the cup, right? Matthew. I think I went to take Mario, if you're watching, to Starbucks. He's like, no, don't go in there. Like, Brian, I love Mario. Like, totally right. I shouldn't be going there either, man. Thank you. Let's go over the road. Got some other occult symbol on their cup. <laughs> Bloody triangle. You can't win. Get a good brew, you know. 
Acts 17, verse 6. And not having found them, they drew Jason and certain brethren into the city rulers, calling aloud, These, having put the world into commotion, are also here present, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, There is another king, Yahusha. And they troubled the multitude and the city rulers, hearing these things and having taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Look at that. Acts 17, verse 5. It's the Talmudic Jews, verse 5, filled with hate, filled with envy for the followers of Yahushua. They sought to bring them before the city's governing authorities and set them up as adversaries. That's what they sought to do. They wanted to set them up as adversaries to the state based upon presumptions and assumptions. And that's the thing. They are presuming and assuming about you. Unless you rebut that, you are guilty. Because we live in a world where you are guilty, and then you have to prove that you're innocent. And you're like, what? I've done nothing. But now it's on me? How did that happen? Magistry to tyranny, that quick. That quick. The moment we allowed that, that's when we lived in tyranny. We are living under martial rule. You must understand that since 1776. Martial rule. It's not martial law yet, but it is martial rule. And this is the danger. This is the danger. The root Verse 5, the Talmudic Jews, those Zio-Pedo-Banksters, are ultimately what? Trying to set believers up as adversaries to the state based upon presumptions and assumptions, drawing them into the system and leading them into the very loose from which they could easily hang themselves. And eventually they ended up against gladiators and lions in Nero's circuses. Did they not? Did they not? Government sanctioned right there and then for their pure entertainment. But meekness, meekness is what? It is strength under control. Now that man Moses, he was very meek above all the men which were on Upon the face of the earth, the meek he will guide in judgment, and the meek he will teach his way. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Yahuwah lifteth up the meek, he casteth the wicked down to the ground. But the righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. Equity. Now, there's something you'll want to look into. Equity. Jurisdiction. Unto the meek he hath sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that abound. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So I can get fired up along with the rest of you, but ultimately we need to ascend out of the flesh, out of the natural realm, into the spiritual. Because Yahushua didn't die on the tree just to deliver Matthew from sin. Just to deliver you from sin. 
And you think, well, I'm not out there sinning. I'm not out there sinning. But he came to deliver me from the natural me. Me living in my natural man, doing the natural things. I'm not sinning. He came to deliver me from that. He wants me to be in the spiritual realm and the spirit directing my soul that then takes charge over my body. And so many of us go, oh yes, he delivered me from sin. I'm no longer doing the whoring, the drugging, the drinking and all of that. I'm victorious. And then we stay there. Or some of you have been raised Christian and you were never out there doing the whoring, drugging and drinking. Praise Yahuwah for that but you're still in the same space as many of us that were doing that. You're now in your natural self, living a moral, decent, commandment-filled life. But that is not what he has for us. He didn't come just to deliver us from the sin so we could stay. He came to get us out of the soul into the supernatural. And that is where we deal with Romans 13 for victory. And we have got to, myself included, start to operate in that realm. We have to. Because that's where the victory is going to be in these last days. I assure you. I assure you of that. Yahushua's disciples, they obviously preached and lived unconditional submission to Yahushua. Did they not? And that's how we should live. In contrast to a limited, a limited submission to a worldly governing authorities. Always ready to resist and disobey a Nero or an antichrist authority. That's the distinction. Unconditional submission to the king. Limited submission to governing authorities. The moment they step away from magistrate, then they step into tyranny. There is no gray area. And that is limited submission. That's the distinction. That's the distinction. Rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Who said that? I love that. Thomas Jefferson. Come on. Get down. Rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Don't you love that, Steve? Come on. See, that's the, that's the soul realm. Oh, and I could pick up a sword and turn that into the flesh realm real fast. But I'll end up in irons. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey Yahuwah rather than men. Amen. Amen. And they departed from their presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his great name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Yahushua the Messiah. They went against the governing authorities. It was limited submission. Their devoted total submission was to the king Yahushua. That's the order. The apostles, they preached without government sanction. And so do we. Without fear. Because that 
is what we're called to do. But be careful where you stand, because it says in Proverbs, he that justifieth the wicked condemneth the just. Even they both are an abomination to Yahweh. So you be careful who you align yourselves with. We have to be very careful. Now let's work through verses 1 through 7, verse by verse. So back to verse 1. Let every person... That includes you, Don. Let every person submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except Yahuwah, and those that exist are put in place by Yahuwah. And the default Judeo-Christian interpretation is what, Glenn? On the spot. Well, Yahuwah is established, what? He's established every ruler, so believers should just sit down, shut up, and submit because God has placed them over you. Right? Wrong. Because all rulers have authority limits. We have to understand that. All rulers have authority limits. Yahuwah has given no absolute and unlimited power to man above the law. Let's be very clear on that. British jurist Sir William Blackstone encapsulated verse 1 perfectly. He said this in 1765. No human laws are of any validity. No human laws are of any validity if they are contrary to this. The law of God. Amen. Amen. Now, Paul is informing the Roman community that they're to obey the laws of the magistrates so far as they govern according to the law of Yahuwah. That's what verse 1 is about. So far as they govern according to the law of Yahuwah, then we should all what? Obey them. Now, if Daniel was in Babylon and there was such a thing as him riding his wagon and having to register his wagon, I'm sure he would have registered his wagon. Right? Pick your battles. Pick your battles. You really want to get mace and your windows smashed out? Then, you know, okie dokie. I've seen the YouTubes. I've tried it. It don't work. Okay? I've tried it in my flesh. I'm always up for a game, you know. All right, that sounds good. What, just stick that in my back window and whack it up to 90, get pulled? All right, let's do it. No, it doesn't quite work that way, Matthew. Humble pie. I've had a lot of problems. (laughs) Let me tell you. Because there is much flesh and soul that thy must be delivered from. For thee's sake. Tamara said, there's one thing I knew when I married you. I would never be bored. (laughs) Never be bored. (laughs) And now my lawyer, she's saying the same thing. (laughs) There's one thing I knew the moment you hired me, that I would never be bored. (laughs)
Paul in all reality. He is commanding the governing authorities themselves to be in subjection to Yahuwah's laws. They're not above the laws themselves, but they are in fact bound by them. And any magistrate, any magistrate that takes upon himself or herself to act contrary to what Paul makes the duty of those in authority, then neither is that power nor that magistrate ordained by Yahuwah. Can we agree on that? We can agree on that, surely. They just disqualified themselves by their actions. Did Caiaphas disqualify himself by his actions when he went against the law of Yahuwah? He totally disqualified himself. So consequently, to such a magistrate, no subjection is commanded or due. That's what Paul's talking about. Such a magistrate or such a power, the Roman believers are not forbidden to resist because by doing so, they're actually not resisting a magistrate or a power, but they are resisting a pirate, a tyrant. That's what they're resisting, an enemy. Because once you move out of the realm of obedience to Yahuwah, you become a pirate just trying to take some booty. It could have sounded bad, but it sounded okay. Let's continue on with that. I was just an Americanism. I kind of put the accent in there. Did you not catch that? I did. Anyway. All right. In the 1770s, Pastor Samuel West said thus, And he said this before signing the Declaration of Independence. Quote, The same principles which oblige us to submit to government do equally oblige us to resist tyranny. Or that tyranny and magistracy are so opposed to each other that where one begins, the other ends. And I already kind of spoke about that. Where one begins, the other ends. There is no gray in between. And that's what we have to understand because Paul is teaching here in the opening verses of chapter 13 the importance of walking in limited submission versus unqualified compliance to civil authority where believers were falling into this trap of just following this Talmudic trap of total submission when the unbelieving Jew would deliver up followers of Yahushua to Nero due to their envy and hatred of them. And that's what we saw in the book of Acts. So Yahuwah hasn't divested himself of his own absolute authority just because he's permitted a subordinate government among men. He's still in charge. He's still the supreme ultimate authority, and so are his laws. And the USA today, it solely exists because the colonies revolted against the governing authorities and powers, the magistrates of British tyranny that had become pirates, right? That's why it exists today. So believers have always had to reject civil authority when it becomes a conflict of interest because any civil authority that isn't set up and sanctioned by Yahweh is no longer enforcing his laws, is not a legitimate authority according to Paul in verse 1. Can we all see that? 
This is just working through the text. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power if not of Elohim. If they're, of, if they're not of Elohim, they are not a power of which you're to be subject to. Verse 1, nicely, neatly compartmentalized within the context, I believe. Gets rid of that whole nonsense of total submission. Let's look at verse 2. So whoever opposes the authority has resisted Yahuwah's direction, and those who have resisted will bring judgment on themselves. And again, the knee-jerk Judeo-Christian interpretation is, if you resist the governing authorities, you're actually in rebellion against God himself. Oh, and people are like, oh, I don't want to do that. But all we have to do is read our Bibles, right? All you do is you read your Bibles and you see a bunch of Hebrew midwives and they're like, we're not doing what the governing authorities said. <laughs> right? Moses' parents and his sisters are saying, go jump off that cliff. We're not obeying that. What about Rahab, Gideon, Shadrach, Meshach, Bendigo? Forget it. We're not obeying the governing authorities, right? What about Daniel, the apostles? They weren't condemned and punished by Yahweh, were they? In fact, the opposite. So we know that that interpretation simply cannot be true. But what about more modern men like George Washington and Benjamin Franklin? Were they condemned by Yahweh for resisting the governing authorities? No. Again, we have to understand Babylon is in Babylon, Iraq, but we live in mystery Babylon, the great mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Babylon is the mystery religion that guides the government of our host nation. Just look at the money, follow the money, follow the money, follow the money. That's all it's about. Follow the money. And the architecture will give it away. Right? And the moment JFK stood up against the money, they killed him. They killed him. Our government, of course, is built, funded, and run by the Zionist, pedo-Talmudic, Ashkenazi bankers. Wake the heck up. I don't understand why people just are so in bed with that because you've got a hundred years of propaganda that has come along, alongside Christianity and it is just time to wake up and get out of that bed in which we have lied asleep. Any balanced student of history and politics can tell you that the USA, whether it's a cult government architecture is Talmudically influenced political lobbying bodies, educational system, banks, film, media. They're all structured under the Talmudic order, which was, of course, exported from that mystery religions of Babylon. So our present government and the synagogue of Satan are, in fact, synonyms, right? That's what it's about. In verse 2, Paul is saying believers are being in resistance or rebellion against authority is wrong. 
but only against lawful or YAH-commissioned government authority is his point. If it's YAH-commissioned and they're following Yahweh's laws, then we should not be in rebellion against that. That would be wrong. Correct? So now we can look at um, other texts in Ephesians 5.11. It's telling us if they're not following Yahweh, then we don't want to have any part of it. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Expose them. Paul's saying that resisting a just authority which is in line with Yahuwah is absolutely wrong. If it's a just authority that's in line with Yahuwah, then you better be subject to it. You should be subject to it. Because if you were in rebellion, you'd actually be resisting Yahuwah and be in rebellion to Yahuwah. And you would be punished by Yahuwah. But the moment that authority is not following Yahuwah's decrees and ordinances, you are no longer subject to it. But this verse isn't saying that those who resist unreasonable powers, look at the text, which are contrary to the law of Yahuwah, are resisting Yahuwah. Heaven forbid, no. Resisting those who resist Yahuwah's will is not the same as resisting Yahuwah. That's the key. Daniel committed a crime against the ruling authorities, did he not? But he committed no crime against Yahuwah when he disobeyed the king and he prayed in his room in violation of the king's edict, did he? Yahuwah wasn't upset with him. Daniel 6.21, Then Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. My Elohim hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I committed no crime. Remember, it's always man's command which teaches submission to man rather than Yahweh. Verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Now, if you do not want to fear the authority, do what is good and you will get his approval. For he is Yahweh's servant to you and for your good. This is a key verse, verse 3. Of course, the knee-jerk interpretation, be quiet, get in line, be a good citizen, and you'll be left alone. But that's not true. That is not true. Not true at all. Because verse 3 now begins to unravel the total submission to government camps theology if you dig into it. Because Paul is speaking of civil rulers to which believers are to be obedient to because they're godly rulers who are exercising their office and power as what? Benefactors to society. They're godly rulers. They're using their authority as benefactors. They're helping believers. Therefore, you should what? You should submit because they're a good to you. Because they're a good to you. Rome had many pro-Jewish laws on the books regarding worship and public assembly. They were good for the believing community. They didn't have to do many of the things that the Romans had to do. 
They didn't have to prostrate before Caesar. They didn't have to go into idols' temples. There were many laws on the books in Rome that were very good for the believing community of Jewish believers. Because of this service, they're not going to be a terror to good works, are they? No. That's the key. But to the evil in society. They were to be a terror to the evil in society. So as long as a government is being a terror to the evil in society and they are benefactors to the believing community of good works, you are to what? Submit to them because they're there for your good. But the moment magistracy turns into tyranny, they become tyrants to good works and benefactors to evil, then you better resist them. The moment they are benefacting the wicked and they are oppressing the righteous, you better get out of that courtroom because that's tyranny. You see how it flips? Unfortunately, that's where we live today. Are the governments more supportive of Christian or biblical legislation or are they more supportive of abomination legislation? Are they supportive of legislation to good works and oppressing evil or are they more supportive of evil and suppressing good works? You answer that question and you decide who you are in subjection to. That's the key. Verse 3 is the kicker to your liberation. To your liberation. In this case, in this case, with those pro-Jewish laws on the books in Rome regarding assembly and public worship, they were actually Yahweh's ministers for good because they protected the believers and society from the evil and they executed wrath upon those that did evil. That's great, but we don't live in that kind of society nowadays, do we? You see? Verse 3, if rulers aren't a terror for evil, and if rulers don't praise the good works of the believing community as it serves the society, then we're not to acquiesce to their rule. Verse 3 is very powerful when you start to unravel it. Were the governing authorities being a terror to evil or a terror to good works in Acts chapter 4, verse 1? That's what you have to ask yourselves. When you're in a situation, you're going, now, is this government that I'm standing before being a terror to evil or are they being a terror to good works? And how you answer that is then whether you're in subjection to it. Because in Acts chapter 4, verse 1, when Peter and John were rounded up before the civil rulers for preaching Yahushua and doing the good works in healing the cripple, we find that the government was a terror to good works. Therefore, they should not be acquiesced to. Were the civil ruling authorities being a terror to evil or a terror to good works when they threatened them and commanded them not to speak the name of Yahushua and teach his doctrines as they understood it? And they said, no, we ought to obey Yah rather than man. 
because they were being a terror to good works and they were supporting the evil Talmudic Jews. This is the problem. Look at Romans chapter 13, verse 4. For he is the minister of Elohim to thee for good. But if you do that which is evil, be afraid, right? If you're out there mugging and murdering, you should be afraid if you're under a just government because they're supposed to be a terror to evil, right? Makes sense. For he beareth not the sword in vain, meaning there'll be the death penalty, right? Murder, adultery, kidnapping, all of those things. He'll actually bear the sword. It will be a swift judgment. There'll be no death row for you for 30 years, funded by the taxpayers, which is absolutely unmerciful. And it's all because life is so important. No, no, no. You don't value life. Oh, no, no, we value life. No, you actually, you put a value of 25 years on that kid's life that died. If you valued life, you'd take the life of the one who took life. Because right now, you've said that that child that was murdered was only worth 25 years. You see how they spin it? Oh, we're all about valuing life. No, you don't. Life for life. Justice is only just when it is administered justly. You see how fired up I get over this stuff? But the things that you see and read in the newspapers that's happening to our children. Oh, it's totally the opposite. For if he is a minister of Elohim for thee for good, but if you do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of Elohim, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So again, the Judeo-Christian interpretation of this is more submission. You better just pipe down. But in reality, the context of verse 4, the civil government spoken of in verse 4 is supposed to be the minister of the Most High, not the minister of mystery of Babylon the whore right? That's the problem. Legitimate law to which the ministers of Elohim all govern from has one origin, and that origin is not Babylon. It's not Babylon. Look in James chapter 4 verse 12. There is one lawgiver, and is it the beast? Is it Babylon? Is it the Talmud? There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy Who art thou that judgest another? Isaiah chapter 3 verse 22. For Yahweh is our judge. Yahweh is our judge. He is our lawgiver. Yahweh is our king. He will save us. You see, today's courts, today's courts and judgments are based upon what? Yahweh? No. Secular humanism. Secular humanism. The ever-changing morality of man. That's the danger. Secular humanism is the ever-changing morality of man. Their judgments are not Elohim's judgments. Let's be real. Let's be real. It's just plain blasphemy to talk 
to call tyrants and oppressors Yahuwah's ministers. Really? They're actually the messengers of Satan. Sent to buffet and thwart us. Sent to ensnare and entangle us in their jurisdiction. Look at verse 4. A revenger. The word there is edikos. It means one who carries justice out. Isaiah 54, um, 45, dyslexic. Only in Yahweh are righteousness and strength. 1 John 2, verse 29. If you know that Yahweh is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born from him. And 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. In this, the children of Elohim are manifest. And the children of Satan, whosoever doeth not righteousness, is not of Elohim. And that's how we make the judgment. That's how we make the judgment. And today, if the court and chambers are full of judges and magistrates that don't judge according to the righteousness, then what? Then, if you have a matter against one another, don't go before law. Don't go before the unjust. Go instead and stand before the saints. Let brother go to law with brother and not before the blooming heathen. Right? We need to form our own courts of law. I mean, instead of Sharia law, I'm talking Shemitah law. But now we're talking the millennium, and we're not quite there yet, but we could be. But, you know, this is just the opening of Romans 13, and I think I should stop now because I've gone on long enough. But I hope you understand the importance of this. Ultimate subjection is to Yahweh, total subjection is to Yahweh on high. It is limited subjection to the governing authorities. If they are being a what? What does it say in that verse? I love what it says. I just said it. They are ministers to what? Verse 4. For he is the minister of Elohim to thee for good. If they're ministers for you for good, they're supporting the believing community and their laws are supporting the believing community and the sword goes out against evil, then that's a good thing. But it's flipped on you nowadays. They're ministers for evil and they go out against righteousness. So therefore, we have to have limited submission knowing that this is in fact now gone from magistry into tyranny. So as we unfold more and more in Romans 13, I hope that you and I will walk this narrow line and understand that Yahweh has a calling on our life, but it is for us to ascend out of the natural soulish realm into the spiritual because that's where the victory is. That's where the victory is. Do we have any questions, comments on Romans 13? Yes, in the back. Let's. I'd love to.
13, which says uh, in my translation, then submit yourselves to all human authority for the sake of the Almighty, whether to a king because of their supreme power, to judges because by them officers are sent for the punishment of offenders and for the praise of them that do well. So it's kind of a different phraseology. I was wondering if you maybe had clarification or insight into that. Yeah, that's a different phraseology if you look at verse 3 of Romans 13, where they're saying there should be these rulers, they're supposed to be a terror to evil, and they are supposed to be supporters of the good works. And if they are a terror to evil and they bring a sword to the evil and they are supporters of the good works of the community with their legislation, then, by all means, you submit to that authority. But the moment they become a terror to good works and a supporter of evil, you no longer submit to that authority. You don't want to be in that jurisdiction. And that's the world that we live in today. And that's why we have to understand this. We have to understand this and then apply it spiritually because that's where the victory is. You've got to pick your battles. You've got to pick your battles. Steve, any other questions or comments, even yourself, because I know you have a lot of experience in this subject too. Uh, No, uh, I just uh, was wondering what you saw in your trip this week, if there was anything you you wanted to add too. I was in Washington, D.C. last weekend. Um, Yeah, again, I think for me, the real takeaway for me from the whole trip with government was seeing what I have spoken and communicated to you today, that Yahweh really wanted to show me how to deal with government, with all this occult architecture of the tri-union being, that we are from the dust, a soul, but the power, what is from Yahuwah, is the spirit. And really the application for me was to be delivered from that natural realm and to walk spiritually with the revelation of Romans 13. Because it's very easy for me to get caught up into the soulish realm with this, but that's not where the victory is. So I think that was the big takeaway for me. Yes, I could go into the natural realm with all of the the mumbo-jumbo and the mystery Babylon and whatnot. But I think many of us see that clearly in the architecture and the legislation. But it's really the applying of it in our walk is a spiritual thing. Anything else? Yes, there was... um, We'll ask this question, then I'll ask that one. Okay. In counseling with believers who say they cannot with the laws and the government. My counsel has been simply prepare yourself for what is going to happen to you. And a big thing, too, that we have to understand is Yahweh hates, and it goes back to the laws of Kilayim, the laws of mixing. You shall not sow your field with two diverse species. You shall not wear a garment of wool and linen. The problem that you find with the Patriot Movement and um, the Tea Party and uh, many of these sovereign citizen movements is they co-mingle. 
they're going into a jurisdiction and then they're bringing in the Bible, they're bringing in all of their patriot stuff and they're commingling and they get in a whole bunch of trouble because they stepped into a Luciferic realm and they're trying to expose it in their jurisdiction. It's commingling and they're going to get slapped down. They should get slapped down because they, Yahuwah hates commingling. If you're going to go into that realm, you've crossed the threshold. You need to, as believers, if you want to find traction, you have got to ascend out of that realm into another realm, and you go right to the top like Moses went to Pharaoh, and you petition for a change of status jurisdiction. He wasn't messing around with the municipality. Moses did not go and talk to the taskmasters, did he? He didn't go to the state, the municipality. He followed the laws of the land. He honored the laws of the land, but he knew that he had to go to the highest core of the land to get the traction for the change in jurisdiction. But he did it in meekness, honor, and respect. Anything else? There is a time coming, and it will not be by being aggressive, antagonistic. It will be walking in honor and righteousness and meekness, strength under control, because you are to petition using the laws and doing things legally in a just and righteous manner, not in a rebellious manner, because rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, because you are being spiritually empowered by the same occult principalities. I just wanted to make a comment. Um, here you, it, it's very strong, and, and uh, I've worked in the courts, and I've worked along with law enforcement. And um, the key, I believe, to knowing, I, I like what, uh, I'm so sorry. I like what you said. The dawn. The dawn. The dawn. <laughs> the dawn. Excuse me. Yeah. I like what the Don said, because in reality, um, in working in those fields, I work with felons, and, you know, these people who break the law, you know, standing up for what they believe, you know, but literally break the law in doing it, you know, and they come to court and then expect to be pardoned because they did what they believed is right to me is like walking into a bar and trying to preach Yahusha and being thrown out of the bar and then going through a system all in the name of, you know, I was doing what I felt called to do. So the bottom line, I think having... And they are actually standing before the bar when they do that. Right. <laughs> right. So in a bar. In a nutshell, though, I'm very... And if they, they may be asked to step forward through the bar. You're, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So in, gen, in, in short, I just feel like Number one, if you are doing what Yahushua called you to do, be prepared because it will not be easy. You know, standing, saying, even speaking the things that you were saying today, that, that's not easy. But um, if you do find yourself in a place like that, to honor 
you know, the goal is to do what Yahushua tells you to do through his word, not through what we think, but to bring him glory no matter what the outcome is. And having the attitude of meekness, as a very good one. Even Moshe, you know, going before Pharaoh in his court, he went with meekness ordered by Yahushua. And he Are walked within the laws of the yes. land and he obeyed the laws yes. of the land. He just went to the top governing authority. He did not go to the municipality. So there's an order of doing things and things must be done in order. And the moral of the story is stay out of the bars. <laughs> Crying out loud. Matthew. Steve. Yes, there was a... You know, and the one thing is, is a lack of knowledge is one of the things uh, that we as people have. And as you've seen, and we've been through experiences, you know, the administrative process is there. We are in the lawful, and a man operates in the legal. And we can work in that, but we are above because we are walking in that priesthood in terms of servants of the Most High. And so we're going to try and cover that Sukkot, you know, maybe a little bit. Good, um, good. The other thing is that there was a question about, you know, what do we do when they come for our guns? That was one of the questions on the Internet. <laughs> That's an excellent question. And I will address that, but not right now, because, again, that must be dealt with, with great wisdom, with great wisdom, because there are huge ramifications, huge ramifications. So what was that in the back? Gavin, what do you have to say? No, Gavin, what do you have to say? Really, come on, spill the beans. What's going on? Mike, mic them up, mic them up. Father, we thank you for the youth in the back fooling around. <laughs> Father, we thank you for the young at heart. And Abba, we ask that truly that this next generation, that we would be as wise as serpents, as, as harmless as doves. Abba, let us walk in honor and integrity. And Abba, let us learn not to co-mingle, but Father, that we would be a separate people. And that Abba, that we would walk under your total governing authority. And we thank you, Abba, Abba, that the government rests upon the shoulders of Yahushua. And there is where we find peace in Yahushua's mighty name. Amen. Amen.